We got something very special today. And uh, before we get there, I just want to know, I just want you to know that like when we say this week was phenomenal and God did some stuff, he really did. And would you just be praying for us? Because now we come back from camp. It's easy to worship God when everyone around you is worshiping God. But how many know that when we leave here, we step back into a world who doesn't see Jesus as king, but we have a light to shine. We have bread to offer, bread of life. And so just be praying for our students that God will continue to burn in them, that God will continue to work in them. And today we have a very special uh, opportunity to hear from a couple of our very own Skybreak youth students. This is something we love to do here at Skybreak Church. I said it before, Pastor Nathan and Pastor Kendall are, have a generational mindset. And so we have a couple students today that are going to get to share a word that God has put on their hearts. Now, here's, here's the deal. We've done this before. If you've never been a part of it, it's really fun. So what they're going to do is they're going to come up and they have five minutes, five minutes to share the word that God has put on their heart. And I don't know if you know this, but it's a lot more intimidating on this side than it is on that side. So they're going to be up here sharing the word that God's put on their heart. But I want this is participation. I want you to affirm them. I want you to say, amen, that's good. Because trust me, I've read their notes and it's really good. And so I'm excited. I'm going to introduce them together, but they're just going to come up one after another. The first person is a young man who was brought up in this church all your life. Yeah. How old are you? Are you sure? He thought about it. 15? He's been here all his life. And uh, Camden is such a great young man of God. And um, he loves hunting. He loves fishing. So we get along real well. But I've watched this man grow into the man that God has called him to be. I'm so thankful that he gets to take this platform and share what God's put on his heart. So would you do me a solid and help me welcome to the stage, Camden. How are y'all today? I got my notes up here. All right. So my name's Camden Snell. I am a junior at College Station High School, and first thing I'd like to do is thank, uh, even though they're not here, Pastor Danny and Janet, our founding pastors of this church, and uh, Pastor Nathan and Kendall for letting me uh, come up here and speak. Uh, the title of my message today is No Longer Exhausted. How many in this room like uh, outdoors? Just hiking, fishing, hunting, any of that? All right. How many of y'all just like, nope, give me a blanket and a TV show and I'll be happy? Okay, well, I love being, outside, uh, being outside, anything outdoors, sports, hunting, fishing, just, even just walking, going for a stroll outside. And um, uh, we, have a, we have a lease out in Bremont that's 400 acres, uh, give or take. And one of my, <clears throat> I remember this time where I was, we were looking for hogs. These hogs are destructive, they tear up fields, They'll hurt your dog, do all this stuff that's nasty. And so we found out where they were going. We, I went in by myself off the beaten path, off the, off the road that I knew was true, and went chasing these things. Got into some very thick, like, woods and stuff to where I could, all I could do was just lay down. And it got to a point where I could hear them, and it was getting too dangerous. Even, even my dad told me, do not get into a situation like this. And so I had to back out and go off the beaten path. And I got bruised, bumped, I was bleeding and hurt and out of breath. And once, once I started going back, I lost my way. 
I got lost in the woods, this big 40-acre patch of woods, I was lost. And it wasn't until I heard my father calling me, and uh, he pulled up in the truck, honked the horn, and I finally got out and was able to make it in, onto the beaten road where I knew I was supposed to be. But this also reminds me of a time in Elijah's life, because in 1 Kings 19, or, uh, chapter 19, verse 4 through 7, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. At once, an angel touched him. Get up and eat. He looked around, and by his side <clears throat> and by his head was, a, was some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel, a second time, came back and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey was too much for you. So, kind of like my dad called me through the woods, through that wilderness, so was God when we were having a hard time getting bumped and bruised and hurt and all that. <clears throat> Just... Yep. See, Elijah, Elijah had just got, just got done killing 450 prophets of the false god Baal. That's how you say it. But uh, he, was, he was beyond exhausted and more tired than he had ever been in his life. Killing 450 people, you'd think. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that may be you in the room today. You're beyond exhausted after fighting this battle that you've been fighting forever and you're just exhausted and done. And that pressed feeling of I'll never be anything and being stuck in what felt like a literal hole because of what because of that exhaustion and it was going to be impossible to climb up out of. This can also involve into suicidal thoughts, kind of like Elijah had. And we're holding on by a thread because even our faith can start slipping in times of emptiness. Elijah, a man of God who just got done killing, just got done proving God was real 450 times, wanted to die. Elijah was a man of God and still struggled with it. In other words, being a Christian doesn't make you immune to this kind of hurt, this kind of, this kind of emptiness, but that's why we need the Holy Spirit as a comforter. He will show us the way and fill us. And we're going to have to start this mindset of, is God real? Because if he is, why am I going through this? Why am I going through this season? Why am I going through this hurt, this, this pain? And why would it last this long? Why am I stuck right here? And just like some of us in the room today, Elijah had lost his mind to the devil. Satan had taken over and won it. It was his. And that was it. Elijah thought his life was finished, but Jesus said, oh no, I'm not done with you yet. You are my child, not Satan's. You are loved no matter what. There's a purpose for you, and I have, and as long as you live and have breath in your lungs, I will use you. And you will be used to others to bring me to me and my father. You have been put through the season, and you will survive it. So you can use this testimony to bring others to their broken, brokenness and hopelessness. Bring to the light how good I am, and the devil cannot and will not win, for I have already beat death. That you can too. Your suffering, your heartache, your hurt is finished and will be no more. But just like Elijah, when we call out on God, God will send down manna from heaven to fill us, to restore us and our hunger. Fill that hole and heal that exhaustion. God's presence searching and calling for something <clears throat> in store for us in our life. 
And that's what, and that's what, uh, what's worth living for. Jesus is the one who heals, for Jesus is walking beside us every step of the way. Because God continued to use Elijah. He wasn't done after just killing those 450 prophets. He continued to use it. He continued to use him and to spread his word. Uh, you will never be done as long as you have breath in your lungs. Mental health is a scary thing, guys. To especially to one, watch somebody go through, and two, to even go through. And so I encourage you, find someone that you trust. Find someone you trust to talk about really heavy stuff. If you've got someone that someone comes to, fill them up. Share Jesus' goodness. Share God. Bring life to them and share his love through every possible way. Also, that, also with being, that being said, check up on your friends. Might just a simple, hey, how are you? Hey, man, what's up? Hey, how are you doing? Is everything okay? That could give, that could save, one, save a life and get someone to open up and uh, give somebody just enough push to go, uh, to go through and keep going on with life. So, uh, <clears throat> so just made, give that one person, that one just little glimmer of hope to keep going and push on and keep living. And that's it. Thank y'all. Yeah, Kim. I told y'all, it's very different on this side. I said I was going to introduce both of them, and then I introduced him and walked off. So let me go ahead and introduce our next speaker. Her name is Naomi Rotundo. I've met her. I met her, I think, last summer camp was the first time I'd ever met you. But it's been really, really special to watch Naomi come out of her shell. I call it quiet thunder. Like, she's real reserved, but don't cross her. It was funny at camp, we were playing dodgeball and, and uh, also we were playing basketball, but she, she'll cross you up, like she'll leave you on the ground. Uh, but she was playing dodgeball and she picked up a dodgeball and this guy looked at her like, give me the ball, give me the ball. And she basically was like, <laughs> and I just kept, it was really funny. But I, I'm so proud of this young lady who, uh, who's becoming who God has created her to be. She's come out of her shell in such a way. I watched her weep on the front row at summer camp this week and God is just doing a work in her life. Would y'all help me welcome to the stage, Miss Naomi Rotondo. Church, how are y'all doing this morning? All right, first of all, I want to give a shout of praise to Jesus this morning. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. Um, <laughs> thanks, I want to just thank the pastors just for giving me this opportunity and pouring into me and allowing me to do this. But I'm just going to get right into it. So, uh, I, me personally, I love to watch movies, and y'all know those annoying people. That, like you sit down and watch a movie with and like they quote the thing the whole entire time so you can't really enjoy it. I'm that kind of person. But one thing y'all will not catch me doing is watching scary movies. Like, no. Do I have any scary movie watchers in here? Y'all are crazy. And like even worse, do any of y'all like enjoy watching them alone? Like actually, y'all need Jesus. Um, but yeah, that's just, it's not me. And like, y'all, I can't watch scary movie commercials. I can't watch thrillers. I have Spotify ads, so I'll be driving at home late at night and there'll be a scary movie ad that pops up on my radio and I'll be like, no, no, no. But uh, actually last Easter, uh, my parents sat me and my little brother down and they're like, we're gonna watch The Passion of the Christ just to show you kind of like 
what God endured for you, or what Jesus endured for you and all types of stuff. And so we sit down. Y'all, I had nightmares for a whole entire month from the Passion of the Christ. So I think it's safe to say I don't really like um, to watch scary movies. But so today um, I'm going to be talking about fear. Um, and the title of my message is Fear is Not My Future. And I'm just going to get right into it. Um, I'm going to be reading from Joshua 1, 9 through 11. And it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go and take position possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. So at this point in the Bible, Moses, who um, was actually leading the Israelites out of slavery from the Egyptians, has died. And before he died, God told him, I want you to give the leadership of the um, Israelites to Joshua. So Joshua's job was to lead the Israelites through the Jordan River and to Canaan and repossess the land that um, God had essentially promised to Abraham. So the Canaanites were currently uh, living in the promised land, so they had to fight each other over the land. And I find this much like us today. Every day we're walking into battle, whether it's school or the workplace or the airport or the grocery store. Um, and what the Israelites were actually fighting was like the corrupt practices and things like that of the Canaanites. And most of us, are, and they were just doing that more than for the sake of killing which is true in most of us, that we're fighting. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting the enemy and how he's using people to try to get to us. And um, <laughs> for, for me personally, I'm one of those people that in small groups of people, I don't really like to talk. Like, I just kind of like, because I'm kind of scared of what people might think. I'm not one to, like, approach you first. And one time I was talking to my mom about a situation where I wasn't comfortable and she was getting kind of frustrated with me because she's literally one of those people that will start conversations with like anybody. She does not care. And she didn't really understand. I was like, mom, I'm just afraid and this and this. And I said, mom, it's just my personality. And she looked at me and she said, no, it's not. That is a lie that the enemy has put in your head. God has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And this, he's just, the devil is trying to use this put this idea in your head to keep you from what God actually has for you. Um, uh, no, go down. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay, okay, and um, I'm not saying, like, don't be cautious and don't be aware, but there's a difference between being alert and living your life in fear, and fear comes in many different forms. It's not just thinking something's under your bed. It comes in worry, in forms of worry, anxiety, excessive reasoning, like, et cetera, and when I was asking God what he wanted me to speak about, he told me fear, and I was like, who am I to tell people how to face their fear when I haven't overcame mine yet. And God told me, he said, Naomi, I've already overcame it. The battle's already been won. And I feel like this is what God is saying to you today. The battle's 
been won. You just have to learn to walk in his peace and his presence because he's in the battle with you. He's in the fire with you. He's walking in front of you and beside you. And God sees you in your circumstance, I promise you. And this is not just about fear. We were um, at summer camp this week, and I was really battling with fear and things like that. And we had an emotional service with an altar call, and people were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this girl came over me, and she put her hand on my head, and she said, God, remove the spirit of fear from her life. Fear does not live here anymore. And I just started sobbing because this girl didn't know anything about my circumstance. She didn't know anything about my life. But God used her to tell me, Naomi, this battle's been won. You do not have to worry about this any longer. And um, so I just encourage you today to fight your fear and go join that small group. Go start Grow Track. Students, if you've never been to youth, come on, like, go, go reach out to that family member or that friend you haven't talked to in a while because he wants you to surround yourself with people in a community and ultimately fears a road back block that's keeping you from that, that's keeping you from the purpose that he has for your life. And the purpose is ultimately to tell people about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Savior who died on the cross for them, for us to give them everlasting life and that's your job. So um, that's it, I thank y'all. Come on, can we keep it going for our students? Man, I'm just going to echo what Naomi just said. If you're a student or you have a student and they're not coming to youth, get them to Skybreak Youth. It's not babysitting, by the way. We're not there just to like drop off your kids and we'll like have some food. No, like we are seeking the face of God in a culture that's polar opposite of what we're doing. But I have the privilege to wrap us up this morning and I'm going to jump right into the Word of God. Stand with me. We're going to read John chapter 6. Excuse me. We're going to read Mark chapter 8. Um, they have my last week's sermon up on the notes right now, but I got them right here. We're good. Mark chapter 8. We're going to be reading from verse 34 through 38. And it says, says this. It says, Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel, for the sake of the gospel, will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me, this is some bold words Jesus is saying. He said, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. I want to talk this morning from the subject, the title, The Way of the Cross. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for what you're doing in these students. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this room. Lord, I pray for the person who may be new to church. They don't know what this is about. God, would you just soften their hearts today? 
Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. Let them be your words, not my own. And God, we thank you that when your word goes out, it transforms lives. Challenge us today, God. Stretch us. Give us peace. Give us comfort. We thank you for your word and what you want to say. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You can be seated. The book of Mark, which is what we just read from, is written by a man named Mark on the account of Peter. So Peter's talking. Mark is right. And Peter was one of Jesus's disciples. He's the guy that like chopped off the ear of the servant, if you know the story, when Jesus was in the garden. And so Mark's writing this. And it was actually the fourth, uh, excuse me, the first gospel to be written. And when it comes to timeline, it was the first gospel to be written. And each gospel kind of serves its own purpose. Last week, I talked about John. And John was all about showing that God, uh, that Jesus was who he said he was. He was the son of God. He was the savior of the world. So Mark is writing to show that Jesus was the saving king. You see, many people thought that Jesus was going to come up. He's going he's gonna to show up and overthrow the Roman government, make this grand entrance. But Jesus came as a servant. Jesus came humbly in a major, unknown, in a quiet place. That's how he came. Jesus came giving up his life humbly for the sake of others. And so the emphasis of this book that we're reading, Mark, is to show that Jesus came to serve. And if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you too are here to serve. He's saying that in order to be a disciple, it's going to cost you something. It's not easy. You see, this is a message we don't like because we like our Jesus soft in America. But all you got to do is look around the world and see what's happening in other parts of the world. And people are dying for their faith. And so Jesus is saying, it's going to cost you something to follow me. And I want you to know right off the gate, I'm not, this is not a condemning message, but it is a challenging message because some of us have to wake up. Some of us have been sleeping on our faith. We've been sleeping on our relationship with Jesus. And just like Naomi said, we are stepping into battle. We've got to wake up. And so right before this text that we just read, Jesus predicts his death. He tells the disciples that he's about to, what he's about to do. And of course, Peter steps in thinking he's the hero. He's like, we'll never let that happen. And Jesus was like, get behind me, Satan, because you don't know why I'm here. And so this is a pretty in your face text. And so we pick up in chapter eight, verse 34. It says he called to the crowd. Uh, he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny. Say that word deny deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. And here's, do you know what the Greek word uh, for deny means? It means to deny. <laughs> They're like, what does it mean? It literally means to lose sight of oneself and one's own interests. So literally the first thing Jesus says in order to be my disciple, this is like level one intro to Christianity. Like the first thing, the first qualifying thing to be my disciple is you have to put aside your preferences. This is the way of the cross. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have to die to your own preferences. Jesus laid down his life for us. He paid for our sin with his life. And if you don't know, she talked about uh, the passion of the Christ. Like that, that, that was brutal. The cross was a brutal thing. And so Jesus is telling them to pick up their cross and like, hold up, wait a minute, because that's going to require some struggle. That's going to require some sacrifice. So the cross was brutal, but Jesus knew he had a greater plan, and that plan was to save the world. My point is, being a disciple of Jesus means dying to yourself. 
It means you are so focused on Jesus that you care deeply more about what he wants for your life than what you want for your life. You know, growing up, even as a, as a young adult, and maybe I'm talking to you when I say this, I would follow Jesus in some things, not all the things. Like if it was convenient, if it didn't make me uncomfortable, if it didn't make me lose any sort of status, like Jesus, you can be Lord of this part of my life. But Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. So I'll serve you, Jesus, but only if I benefit from it. Don't ask me to go into ministry. I've said that. Don't ask me to go overseas and help people in need. Don't ask me to serve those around me. I'll go to church. I'll sing my songs. I'll sit in my seat. I'll hang out with my friends. My, my, my. Jesus says the first thing required to be a disciple is that it's not about you anymore. But I don't want you to misunderstand me because being a disciple of Jesus is great. I love it. I've never once regretted in my life being a disciple of Jesus. God allows us to benefit from it. He gives us peace. He gives us joy. He gives us hope. He gives us salvation. He blesses us. But I live my, my life in a way that it's not about what I want. It's about what he wants for me. So I have to lose sight of my own interests and say, Jesus, whatever you want, I want. So what does that look like for us in real life? It means that I got to be willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of Jesus. We have to get to a place, church, where we are comfortably uncomfortable. Because if you are constantly in your comfort zone, can I just tell you right now, you're not in the will of God. God's will often requires us to step outside of our comfort zone. Why? Because we have to rely on him. If you've ever been in this scenario when you're telling people about Jesus and you're like, you're like knees weak, palms are sweaty, there's vomit on your sweater already, like you're nervous. <laughs> but it will send like adrenaline coursing through your veins when you're sharing the story of the gospel with somebody. And the Bible tells us, he says, when you don't know what to say, I'm going to say things for you. So we got to walk in confidence knowing that we have the answer to the world's problems, and that is Jesus. And so this is the way of the cross. I got to be willing to be uncomfortable. I have to stand for my faith in the midst of persecution. I heard a stat, I think it was last week, maybe it was at camp. And I think Christianity is now the minority in our country. For the first time in history, we are not the majority. And pastor said it before, we're not the home team anymore. So we got to be willing to die to ourselves. We got to be willing to stand up in the midst of persecution. We got to be willing to share Jesus with others at the risk of persecution or laughing or being made fun of. I got to be willing to do things that I might not necessarily want to do, but what God is asking me to do. And I can't make Jesus Lord of a portion of my life. By definition, that means he's not Lord. This is the way of the cross. Me going into ministry wasn't my first choice. I told you when I was talking a second ago, I said, God, don't ask me to go into ministry. I don't want to do it. And so I came to Texas A&M. And if I had, if I had my will, if I would have lived life according to what I wanted, I would have gone back to East Texas. I would have been a football coach. I would have taught biology. I love science. It interests me. But I knew as a sophomore in high school out of summer camp that I was supposed to go into ministry. But for the longest, I ran from it. But at some point, I had to get to a place of desperation where I say, God, I can't do this anymore on my own. I want your will, not my own. And I promise you, the moment you step into the will of God, yes, it's scary. Yes, it may be uncomfortable, 
but God will show up. He will open doors that you thought he couldn't open. He will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding, but you've got to make Jesus Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Mark 8, 35 through 37 says, forever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You see, we try, we try so hard, so hard to protect ourselves from pain, from danger, and from suffering. Can I be real? Jesus never promised you wouldn't suffer. He never promised you wouldn't get hurt. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He said, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. But we've come to a place sometimes where we step into Christianity thinking it's all going to be easy. But Jesus is like, no, no, no. In order to follow me, you've got to die to yourself. You got to die to your preferences. And this is what being a Christian actually means. This is what the cross was. Being a, cross, a Christ follower does not mean that all your problems go away. It may actually invite more problems, just to be clear. Because Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He, he told the disciples, he, uh, he said that, um, what did I just say? In this world, you will have trouble, but I've overcome the world. He told the disciples, sorry, I just went blank for a second. It's coming back to me. Come on, like a lazy Susan, it's coming back around. Some of y'all have no idea what that is. Oh, Jesus said, if they hate you, they hated me first. So don't be surprised if you start getting some hate for being a follower of Christ. In fact, if you're not facing any struggle, if you're not facing any defense, then I would suggest that you're not moving forward. Everyone knows a football game needs defense. Otherwise, they're just out there running around. But being a Christ follower doesn't mean your problems go away. It may actually invite more. But what it does mean is that I'm not alone. What it does mean is I have hope. What it does mean is I have peace, I have joy, I have salvation. This is why we need the church. This is why we need the body of believers, people we can lean on when life gets tough. But what Jesus is telling his disciples is to stop trying so hard to save your own life. Stop trying so hard to look out for you and yours. He says, if you try hard to save yourself, to preserve yourself, to avoid danger, to avoid evil, you'll actually lose your life. And by the way, it doesn't necessarily mean you'll die physically, but at the end, you would have lived for yourself and you will lose your life. You will destroy your life, bring it to ruin. And by doing so, give yourself over to an eternity in hell. But Jesus flips the script. Are you thankful that Jesus flips the script? Remember, I said it last week. You can't have good news without bad news. He says in verse 35, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So if you lose your life, if you put God's will above your own for the sake of Jesus Christ, for the sake of moving the gospel forward, Jesus said you're going to save your life, that you will be delivered from the penalties of judgment. Evil will not win, and you will, you will be delivered from evil. And here's what I've learned. I'm 33 years old. I don't have it all together, but I have learned this. The gospel is the greatest cause in the world to give my life for. It's the only thing that's eternal. Listen, I'm all about great causes. If I can have the team go ahead and join me, I'm wrapping it up. I'm all about great causes and I'm all, I'm all for them, but none of them. I said, none of them are eternal except for one. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
That's the only one that lives on forever. That's the only one worth laying down my life for. You can have all the things. You can have all the status, all the fame, all the materials, all the money. But if you lose your soul, if you forfeit your own life, what is it all for? You see, living your life means putting God's will above your own. That's hard. It's easy when you're here and the music's playing and they have these beautiful voices on stage and like, God, I'm available. You're worthy. Whatever you want, I'll do. But what about when you step into the workplace and that person that gets under your skin shows up? What about when you have an opportunity to compromise your belief because it's easier just to fit in? What about when you have an opportunity to backtrack on your faith because someone asks a hard question? I'm not saying you have to know all the scripture. I think you should learn. I remember a pastor one time, I may have even said this last week, maybe not, but he said, um, people always ask me, like, what if I don't know the scripture? He said, well, open your Bible and learn it. We've got to live our lives in a way that points people to Jesus. There's so much confusion. There's so, so much confusion, especially that's going after this generation right now. I've been in ministry a while, and I was a student once, but the things that people are facing today, like, are so far beyond what I ever faced as a teenager. But we have to live our lives putting God's will above our own. We have to live for him regardless of what life brings. This is the way of the cross. This is the hope of the gospel. Jesus gave his life for you. We got to live our lives for him. And I came to tell you today that if you call yourself a Christian, you're supposed to look different. You're not supposed to go with the crowd. You're not supposed to blend in. You're holy. You're set apart. It doesn't mean better than. It means different from. You are called to stand out. You are called to act different. When you walk into the workplace, can people tell you're a Christian or you just look like everyone else? Because there is a world that is desperate. There is a world that is hungry and they're looking to the church for the solution. They're looking to you for answer. And if you say, hey, I'm a Christ follower, but what you were doing on Saturday night does not line up with what God wants for your life, can you say you're a follower of Christ? Remember, I said he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. But here's the beautiful thing. God loves you so much that he constantly forgives us. As much as we mess it up and I mess it up, come on, don't leave me up here by myself. But I've just gotten to a place in my life, and I'm just gonna get personal for a second. I just don't care what anyone thinks. Like, not, not in the way of like, I'm gonna live what I do what I want, I don't care what you think. No, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach the gospel at all costs, and if it costs me my life, so be it. I'm gonna be with, uh, with Jesus in heaven. There's a story in the Bible. Uh, Paul, he's in prison, as he often finds himself for sharing the gospel, he's in prison. And they're like, you know, we're gonna kill you. And he's like, cool, if you kill me, I'll be with Jesus. I'm like, all right, well, then we'll let you live. He's like, cool, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Like, if you let me live, I'm going to talk about Jesus. If you kill me, I'm going to be with Jesus. So either way, you can't win. But I've had to ask myself this question in studying this text. It's like, am I really denying myself? Like, how many times has God, like, nudged on my heart, hey, go talk to that person? And I was like, no, nah, it's inconvenient. It's out of the way. Did you know that most of the miracles that Jesus performed, it was on his way to do something? 
Like he wasn't walking necessarily to perform a miracle. He was on his way somewhere and someone would touch him. He was on his way somewhere and someone would call out to them. Are you so busy being a Christian that you're not making disciples? That's what we're all called to do. Go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Listen, there's just been a bunch of talk of revival and that's great. I'm all about revival, but God doesn't revive you to isolate you. He revives you so that you can go into the world, so that you can go into your workplaces, that you can go into your families and tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, if I see one of my friends walking towards a cliff, I'm gonna be like, hey, stop, you're coming to a cliff. But every day people are dying and going to hell and we're doing nothing about it. To be my disciple, Jesus said, you've got to deny yourself, your urges, your instincts, your wants, your desires, your opinions. You got to deny yourself. You have to pick up your cross. The cross was brutal, but you got to pick up your cross and follow him. But here's what I know, and I'll wrap it up. I'll stop shouting at you. Is that when you do that, when you say, Jesus, your way, not my own, when you, when you actually mean that and you step into the call of God on your life, the Holy Spirit power that you are given is unimaginable. There's some things that I have confidence in that if it was just me, I would not have confidence in, but the Holy Spirit steps in when you're walking in his will. And Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Even until the ends of the earth, I am with you. I'm gonna ask everybody to stand up this morning. Jesus told his disciples, and I believe he's telling us this morning that there is, there is a lost world out there. There are people who every day are giving in to depression, suicide, drugs and alcohol. Families are being ripped apart. Divorce is staggering, and the church is not excluded from it. And there's so many things in the world that are calling for our attention. But Jesus, I believe, wants us to get back to a place where we can say, God, whatever you want for my life, I want to do it. Because the thing is, there's people in our lives who are looking to you. If you call yourself a follower of Christ and all hell breaks loose in your life, people are watching your response. They're wanting to see, okay, is this God thing real or is this just something he does? Like, does he just show up to church on Sunday, sit in the seats, say, Jesus, you're so good. I love you. Thanks for that message. Are you keeping it to yourself or are you telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ? So what I want to do this morning is, you know, the gospel is inclusive. Like, God wants all people to be saved. But, I mean, there is a line in the sand. Either you accept him or you don't. Those are the, those are the only, only two options. But I believe that there's some people in this room who maybe at one time accepted Jesus, but if you're honest with yourself, you look at yourself in the mirror, you're saying, man, like I've settled into comfortable Christianity. Like I prayed the prayer, I accepted Jesus into my heart, but if I'm honest, like I haven't told anyone about the gospel, I haven't shared my story, I don't look any different than the people around me. And I just wanna pray for you this morning. And so what I want you to do, I wanna ask everyone just to bow your heads and close your eyes.
If that's you and you're, you're a Christian, I'm gonna pray for two groups of people. But the first one is if you're a believer, you're a follower of Christ, but you know in your heart of hearts that you're not living your life to serve him, that you're not dying to your preferences, that you're still living according to what you want, not what God wants for you. And here's what, I, what I've also learned is that the more I pursue Christ, the more my desires become his desires. Like the stuff that used to matter to me doesn't matter anymore because I want to serve my father. I want to please my father. I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. But if that's you this morning and you know that you're not denying yourself, that you're not picking up your cross, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. And I'm going to pray over you this morning. Because here's the beautiful thing. God, God always extends grace. And at any point in time, we can repent and say, God, I'm sorry. Thank you, Jesus. God, you see every hand. You see every heart. Lord God, I just pray for supernatural strength. God, for those people who once made that decision to follow you, but maybe have gotten comfortable Lord, I pray that you would just breathe supernatural strength on them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for just a boldness to come on them that when they get up tomorrow and they walk into their workplace or they walk into their family, wherever they may go, God, that you would just breathe on them, Holy Spirit, that you would show yourself good to them, that you would give them boldness, that you would give them strength to stand up for you, that you would give them strength to live for you, God, to deny themselves, to pick up their cross and to follow you with everything that they have because it's worth it. It's worth it for our friends. It's worth it for our families. It's worth it for the people we come in contact with. We know, Lord, that there is a, there is a lost and dying world out there who's looking for answers. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to see people the way you see people. Lord, your word says that if you say you're a Christ follower, you say you love God, but you hate your brother and sister, you're a liar. And so, God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see our brothers and sisters, those who are lost, those who are hurting, those who desperately need you, God, that you would give us a boldness to speak to them and encourage them and love them, God, through the lens of the cross. Thank you, Jesus.
I want to pray for a second group of people. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior. Man, there's nothing like being a, a child of God. There's nothing like saying yes to Jesus. He'll take you places. He'll do things in your life. He'll, he'll use you in ways that you never imagined. But the first step is just to accept him into your life. One of our first values here at Skybreak Church is for you to know God. We want you to have a relationship with God the Father, not just a religion, not just a set of rules, but a real pure relationship with God the Father, the creator of the universe. In the beginning of time, God created the heavens. He created the earth. He created mankind in his image, but because of mankind's sin, because of Adam and Eve in the garden, sin came into the world and we were separated from God, but he had a plan for redemption all along. John 3, 16 said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. If you would just believe in him, you would not die, you would not perish, but you would have everlasting eternal life. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not about good works. It's not about trying harder. The first step is just receiving the free gift of salvation that Jesus paid everything for. Once you get saved, there's an assignment. There's some things you got to do, but the first step is just to receive him into your life. And the Bible says when you do that, that separation that was between us and God is now closed because of the cross, because of what Jesus did. This is the way of the cross. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see you for your sin. He sees you through the lens of Jesus Christ. He sees you through the lens of grace and you are forgiven. Your past isn't held against you. And then you're going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. And so with every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm going to extend an invitation this morning. And if you want to make that decision for the first time, or maybe give your life back to Jesus, if you want to make that decision, I'm going to count down from three and I just want you to boldly raise your hand so that I know who I'm praying with. I believe that when you do something on the outside, it solidifies something on the inside. And so I'm going to give you an invitation. Remember, stepping out in faith, trusting God, and inviting him into your life. If that's you, on the count of three, three, two, one. Is there anyone in the room who wants to invite Jesus into their hearts this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lift them hands. Lift them hands. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I see it. I see it. Thank you, God. Thank you. I see it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Awesome. You can put your hands down. I want everyone to pray this prayer after me, whether you've prayed it before or not. Pray it to support the people making that decision. Say, dear Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I make you Lord and I make you leader of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new person. I believe you died and that you rose again for me so that I could be saved, so that I could spend eternity with you in heaven. Help me to die to my preferences, to pick up my cross, and to follow you for all of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Church, let's celebrate. Come on. Let's celebrate with those who made that decision.